0: Hello Guerrillas. this is episode 4, season 4 of Guerrilla Gorilla Opera podcast. My name is Tay Kim, Ensemble pianist, and I will be your host for this episode. Today, our own Gorilla Opera's artistic directors, Aliana De La Guardia and Julia Nolin-Murat are back to discuss the recent DreamWalker experience and the future projects for Gorilla Opera. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, so what did you think about the DreamWalker experience?
1: I would love to hear from Julia first. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Aliana and I had very different experiences because I was only able to partake remotely so via Zoom, whereas Aliana was at the heart of it all, you know, in the middle of the action. Um, So in terms of the process leading up to it, it was interesting because it was a lot of like sending pictures and... Um, on zoom watching some of the tech and talking about it so I had a sense of what we were about to present but actually not at all (laughs) is what I realized once I watched it live it was so much more magical and amazing than I could even imagine um in the sense that um like I, I saw both uh, in separate sequencing, but I didn't see a run through of how it was interwoven into one evening, which I thought was very successful. It felt like one big show. Um, and I thought that was very strong and it kind of immediately drew you in. Um, and so uh, in terms of that aspect, I caught myself watching it too and be like, oh wait, I'm supposed to also be chatting about it or posting things in the conversation. And I think that's also part of the beauty of the live element, right? It's like you, you don't even know um, and you get to kind of also notice all the little details and, and all the little sub layering, which is why we perform live. And I think we capture that beautifully. It's like, no, not one performance is the same. Um, and I, I really loved also seeing people's reactions on the chat feature. Um, you know, uh, th- there was that little, uh, I'm going to call it joke, <laughs> where I want to they're like, okay, goodbye, Aliana, this is your farewell party and half of the people on the chat were like where is she going <laughs> I got Which like I... five messages yeah at the exact time they were like wait what and then my phone was like boom boom, yeah. boom. You know? no absolutely and I what I really also enjoyed is we not only did the performance live had feedback from everyone so it really felt like a communal experience but then the next day to have the um after party to kind of unpack that with our audience was really great. Um, And to actually have them ask the artists like, oh, how'd you do that? Or what were you thinking? Or, you know, like, I really like that moment and things like that. I think that was also super fun. I think something that we're all missing during this pandemic is feeling close to everyone and going through experiences together. And I think what was really successful from this presentation was not only did we enjoy fantastic music and watch opera, um, but it felt very interactive. Um, And to me, that's the most amazing gift you can give to your community, right? (laughs) A full experience. So yeah, that was my behind the scenes, into the scenes view. But uh, Aliana, how how was it for you in the heart of it all? <laughs> yeah, I I think the word opera is is
2: a stretch. <laughs> but That's I why I'm calling that, it an experience. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that was the whole point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like we were we were less interested in exploring what is opera than actually right. what is operatic. Yes. You know? a, to me, there's yeah. there's really two there's a big difference between those words. What's operatic encapsulates an experience, like an expansive experience, a spectacle experience, as Mm -hmm. opposed to what is opera and like trying to dissect what exactly that particular word means. Like that's not interesting to me. Um, Well, first of all, I I should start by saying, thank you so much to HC Media for allowing Mm -hmm. us to be on their um, locations and their property. Um, they were extremely generous and really collaborative. And they were, you know, we're an ambitious group and we come up with crazy ideas. And and uh, they were really great at brainstorming. Um, they gave us staff and they gave us warmth and generosity. And and we really just can't thank them enough. Um, being we're still in Dreamwalker in a way, because we're still <laughs> filming part of the short film that is Ophelia's life dream. But to be in the middle of Dreamwalker live was so cathartic. It was work. I was working mm-hmm. and it was in the best way and everybody was there and we were working really collaboratively as um as we have in the past, and maybe even a little bit differently, because this is, was more of an experimental theater experience. it was kind of a little bit more moving. The parts were more moving, and, and there was less um, rigidity to it, in a way, um, mm-hmm. which, which I thought was, was nice. and uh, honestly, for the time that we're in, it was nice release, you know, to, to not be in something so. Uh, structured and rigid was, was just fine by me. <laughs> everybody else was pretty great at flying by the seat of their pants. And, uh, you know, to build it that fast, you know, we got in there on Tuesday. We basically rehearsed it. They texted it Tuesday evening. We were in there Wednesday morning with me, and then they text it Wednesday evening. And then we basically rehearsed it all day Thursday and filmed it. So that they could then do the overlay graphics so that we could uh, premiere it as if live. So we did like the Saturday night live sort of trick where we filmed it ahead of time and then actually aired it later. But it it was live. We did it all in one take, even Mm -hmm. all the camera angles, everything. That was all one take, one continuous thing, one continuous flow. I really liked that. performance Mm -hmm. as if it was live it felt like theater even though it was all for cameras the choreography between me and the cameras was really super cool and it it was really enjoyable to do it um i think you'll notice in in the in the dreamwalker live there was a lot of rotation where the camera Mm -hmm. and i would sort of circle each other uh and and sometimes the light too so at the very first the very first shot as i'm exiting Uh, You see Keithlin moving the light one way and the camera is moving the other way and I'm sort of going in between them. At the end of uh, Ophelia's life dream, they talk about rotations, you know, 100 revolutions around the sun and I'll collapse or whatever. So in the choreography, we tried to put as many revolutions in Hmm. as possible. So when I'm dancing with the balloon, I'm turning, I'm going around the camera this way. Keithlyn's going around me. Uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, choreography that made it felt, feel very uh, like live theater that I thought was really enjoyable, super, super cool. Elaine is always really fun,
0: so. The transition was so smooth to the point where we thought Aliana was leaving us. You're not leaving us, are you? <laughs>
2: No. <laughs> that was actually my idea cuz <laughs> the I really wanted the two pieces to be connected. I thought part of the virtuosity of the evening should be going directly from one to the other without a blackout and a scene change and all this like theatery kind of bullshit. So I said, "Well, how do we get from one to the other and the character Ophelia is supposed to be a woman at a crossroads going through something hard. And I, you know, at one point I just blurted out, well, like, Lane, why don't we just say, you know, bye, Aliana, have a good time. Uh, You're not artistic director anymore. You're retiring. And then so we just made it the situation where I, like me, Aliana is playing herself, uh, retiring from guerrilla opera because uh, as with a lot of Lane's work, it's really grounded in reality. And I said, well, what's more real What's more real than playing me, <laughs> you know, and, and fashioning this situation around it. So, so that was fun.
0: Confused me, that's for sure. And a lot of, <laughs> a lot of watchers for sure. Uh, what were you happy about and what do you think you could have improved upon with this experience?
2: I think in general, I was really happy with how, they came, how it came out. Um, I was happy to be working. I was super happy with the team. It was a really wonderful experience. Everyone worked really, really well together. I wish we had had more rehearsal time. Isn't that always the wish? Yeah. But even I think if we had one more day, we could have done much more detailed work with physicality and with the floor pattern and everything. I think we had a really good group that knew how to work really fast. And so that was a real benefit. Um, But you know, it's just how things go. It's like you work really hard and you always wish you had more rehearsal time at the end. So maybe we didn't need more rehearsal, but I really felt like four more hours or like two more hours, we could have done something so just detailed, you know, much more detailed which is always what we're trying to do anyway, so.
1: Right, in terms of uh, the the experience for me, I know it sounds um, a little odd, but what I would love to do is like, it's so rewarding for the audience to be able to interact and to chat during the productions. But something that felt almost also very eerie for me in the Emergence concert is, I wish there was a way for, the performers to hear the applause or to, to have that other end, you know, and of course they can read the comments after the performance and things like that. But um, I feel like that, that that's the one hiccup for me is like, how, how do you get to breathe together? And Of course we can't, <laughs> um, but um, finding a way for the performers to, to get that back um, to them as well
0: so what's on the play for November?
1: So on November 13, we are, which is a Friday to 13, we are launching our Guerrilla Opera Underground and it'll run for a month. So the idea behind it is a kind of um, a speakeasy where each week we will be dropping new content material. um, So that as a a performer, you can't, sorry, as an audience member, you can go back um, multiple times and have various uh, experiences. So whether it's um, behind the scenes insights on the productions or it's actually the productions or new uh, work that we have developed, um, it it kind of like makes it a gem pack speakeasy of all things Gorilla, which um, we're very excited about for people to get to experience.
2: So the way we're thinking about this thing is that Dreamwalker is sort of like an exhibition, right? Like an art exhibition Mm -hmm. or whatever with pieces in it. And so um, we performed it live, and that was one part of the exhibition, and now we're making it digital, and it's a new evolution of the uh, exhibition where you see digital representations of each of these pieces that we created. and the exhibition evolves. The longer it's alive, the more it evolves. So like Julia said, each week we release a bonus track. The first week you're gonna see it's just uh, DreamWalker Live and Ophelia's Life Dream, the short film that we're still making, um, and the uh, video representation of Papillon. Um, and that those are the pieces that make DreamWalker Um, and you know, it's possible in a year we'll do DreamWalker again and maybe we'll add another piece to it. Like the idea is that these programs evolve and they change and as we as performers change and the world changes around us, um, you know, the program could be different or or it could be the same but with tiny little differences, you know, or, you know, we perform DreamWalker outside and the screen is like 50 feet tall or
1: something. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna- Or change. with an audience.
2: <laughs> or with an audience, but yeah, so that's the idea is that it's, it's an evolving exhibition, it changes. And so it goes from live to digital. Um, the way it works is that you sign up online um, on Eventbrite You pay a $10 cover charge like you would at any dive bar, (laughs) and then you're signed up on Eventbrite, and you can come back as many times as you want. You can come back every week just for that one 10 bucks, and you'll see the evolution, all the pieces that we're adding, and the full picture of what is Dreamwalker right now. And um, after you sign up on Eventbrite, you get the special page, and a password to get into that page, which is why we're calling it a speakeasy, because you need a password to get in. <laughs> so it's like a special web page. It has all our content on it. You need a password to get in. And in order to get that password, you have to sign up through Eventbrite.
0: So who's making the drinks? We uh...
2: haven't thought of the quarantinis yet. <laughs> we'll get there there so we do have two underground happy hours and those Mm -hmm. will have signature cocktails and (laughs) we'll all be sipping and talking about dreamwalker and whatever together because uh i'm sure we'll all gonna be wanna um wanting to unpack a lot of things so
0: beautiful Mm -hmm. um so what else is happening in november
1: so this um, November, something else that we are launching is our writing collective, um, and they're going to be meeting every two weeks for six months, and the idea for this, um, collective is to, the emphasis is really on developing your own libretto, so a lot of our applicants actually, um, pitched us what they've been working on, so some of them have an idea and they kind of want to dive in, and then, um, other writers, what they, they, they started working on one, and now they really just need a space where they can keep working on it. And the idea is that um, our participants were not just picked for what who they are as artists, but also how they can contribute to the collective, meaning give each other feedback as they're creating their librettos. Very cool.
0: Very cool. It's
2: sort of like a think tank. And actually, I think they meet for eight months, November to...
1: June. So. Yeah, eight months. For some reason, I thought, okay. Yep.
0: The longer the better.
1: I I
2: also want to add that the writing collective is specifically created Mm -hmm. for people who are trying to complete text for a work. This is different from our libretto writing guerrilla lab. Our libretto writing guerrilla lab is more process oriented and it's giving people tools in order to be able to write. So you don't actually actively have to be completing a work. If, if you want to just take a creative writing workshop that's geared towards opera libretti and new work development, like that's the one. The writing lab is like a, an eight-month long think tank helping them, helping each other to create and complete
0: as much as possible a work. So what is the gorilla Lab that you're speaking of?
2: Yeah. So it sort of came from last summer. We really wanted to have more workshops, intensive workshops. You know, um, I take a lot of intensive workshops as a physical theater performer. And I was like, well, why can't we have something similar where somebody can just come and over the course of two weeks or over the course of however many weeks, like just learn a skill or learn something mm-hmm. about enough? Um, And so we have these guerrilla labs, uh, which are professional development workshop for artists or or for people who are arts inclined. And right now there's that libretto writing workshop, which as of now is a six week intensive. Um, Julia is doing a workshop on uh, immersive and alternative production design. I do one on movement and physical theater. Focusing on like strength and physicality. And then there may even be another one, but we're not totally sure. That's a surprise. <laughs> if we're still we'll cooking, that when we
1: know. Yeah, we're yeah. still cooking. But the idea is that, you know, it, it's very much kind of like when you go work out at the gym. This is an artist's gym. So you're working on yourself. We're all at different levels. Um, and it really helps you kind of expand. Um, your tools but also if if you're just curious um about something else within the art form that's a great way to explore it as well um i i remember aliana had a wonderful (laughs) um instrumentalist that joined your movement class and um that was a great way for him to kind of find a a way to how to perform and do movement while actually playing an instrument so.
2: Or even just executing choreography, because, you know, so many composers are writing the, the, uh, theatrical music. You know what I mean? They write concert theater, which requires the instrumentalist to maybe sometimes not even play their instrument, but just execute series of choreography. And how do you do that? Like, how do you execute this choreography with confidence? How do you think about how you're moving in the space, once your instrument is removed, you know what I mean. Uh, so that that was fascinating, and uh, I think too in the Libretto Lab there were there were multimedia artists, there were composers, there were writers, there were filmmakers, there were all like a novelist, a, yeah. a, novelists like such a variety of artists that were attracted to this kind of work. So. Um, The Gorilla Lab is definitely for anyone and everyone who is uh, fascinated and interested and wants to really learn more.
1: That's awesome. And the production one came because um, in the libretto writing uh, workshop this summer, um, I, I did one of the classes where I was actually talking to a lot of librettists and composers and talking to them about how, how to deal with design or how to make suggestions um, in text without being literal and um, but also how to engage um, the, the other artists working on your pieces. Um, so from that, it kind of stemmed from that um, to, to kind of create a class where as a composer, you know, how, how do you create also a visual language and not just uh, music?
0: This is very exciting. Uh, so if that's the case, what else are we doing for future projects?
1: Even though we are all quarantining and staying at home as much as possible, we're still moving ahead with creating um, new pieces. So um, there's been a lot of meetings and libretto readings and things like that in terms of the Zoom platform, because at least we can still keep meeting in that respect and um we're now at the phase where two of our pieces were actually meeting with the composers and the directors and kind of fleshing out okay what if we present this digital versus in person so it's important for us to kind of think about the different alternatives but at this time we're not putting anything on the calendar for in-person performances
2: I should say too, that we're not really putting anything on the calendar for larger casted performances. Uh, Our our larger works are generally not that large for opera. It's four singers and four instrumentalists, but still that's a lot of people to have in a room. And we would have to have quite a large room uh, in order to do that safely, socially distanced and to have four singers together in a room, uh, even just doing a concert reading. You know, um, we've instituted some protocols. So, for example, anytime we go on site anywhere and have to perform together or do something together, we all get covid tests. We have self-assessment tests that we do um, check ins that we do via SurveyMonkey every day that we're on set. Um, and we're about to add temperature checks. <laughs> We were supposed to add it before, but the thermometer I bought was defective, so I had to return it and get another one. Showbiz. Anyway, you, show, you could cut that out. It's not that interesting. Yeah. But.
1: <laughs> or but, you can leave but, it out. But adding to Aliana's point, right now, the spaces that we're in have to be for five people. Um, and so it's not just the performers, but for example, um, Keith or production coordinator. She has to be there to light the performances and things like that. So it's kind of playing, um, I want to call it a Tetris of people, right, <laughs> of who gets to work when um, to make the shows happen.
0: Not a lot of moving parts here, a lot of moving parts.
1: It really depends yeah. on the venue.
2: And, and for that particular venue, HC Media, they were really uncomfortable having more than five of our people. And I said, OK, we won't have more than five people. Uh, and so we, we really had to think about that. So the works that you're really gonna see us performing live or even digitally are gonna be works for a much smaller cast. Um, mm-hmm. But we're still developing the larger works and having uh, conversations with the composers or you know mm-hmm. uh, libretto readings that we can do via Zoom. We're, we're doing as much as we can to keep the fire under those operas. Whereas some operas we have are basically completed or almost complete. And those we're just holding and we're waiting until we mm-hmm. can perform operas safely. And then
1: we're going to hit the ground running. Yeah. I mean, this summer we receive a full score and now we're just waiting oh. <laughs> to be able to perform it. So, well, yeah. oh,
0: can't wait for that day. I'll be honest. <laughs> That'd be nice. That'd be really nice. Um, so anything else to add?
2: I'll just say really quickly, uh, in addition to, to these sort of developing works that we do have another COVID experiment program. It's not gonna be called Dreamwalker. It's gonna be called something else. I haven't, I haven't thrown out any ideas of what it's called yet, but it's gonna be great. Gonna be super cool because I'm great at naming things. Or so I like to say. <laughs> I like to say that I'm great at naming things. Uh, but it's going to feature a new work by Bahar Royahi and Denise Khatiri, as well as a work by Anahita Abassi. Um, so the new work by Bahar Royahi and Denise Khatiri is a monologue that they're writing for Soprano this month and electronics, (laughs) and the work by Anahita Abbasi is for percussion and baritone, which will be performed by um, uh, Mike Williams, our wonderful percussionist, and also my husband, and Brian Church, who has been a member of our ensemble for a really long time. You've seen him in all our operas, Mm -hmm. and there will be an additional piece uh, that will be for percussion solo, but it's for a vocalizing percussionist, so he's playing and he's speaking this uh, story at the same time. So that will be an interesting program. And maybe there'll be another surprise on there, but we're not entirely sure. You're just gonna have to follow us and (laughs) you'll see. I'm all about surprises.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I would like to also add that every uh, second Saturday of the month, we have these community drop-ins with various artists that we collaborate with or from Ali and I and myself. And in December,
2: Denise Kheteri is coming back and she will <laughs> do an amazing shadow puppetry workshop, which I think I would also like to do, <laughs> to like attend and do it. And, and you've seen her work uh, with us. She um, directed and did the animation for Papillon. She's... Uh, She's extremely talented and very uh, experienced. So that should be really super interesting.
0: Hot on the plate, lot on the plate. Well, sounds very yeah. exciting. Uh, even you know during this uh, difficult time.
1: Well, We're certainly busy. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure, for sure, for sure. Well, thank you for joining us and hope to see you soon, yeah? Yeah.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: And this concludes this episode for Guerrilla Opera Podcast. Join us in the Guerrilla on the Ground on the 13th and community drop-in movement and performance with Aliana De La Guardia on the 14th. And of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe and support us on Patreon. Thank you for tuning in. Till then.